Okay, show. Uh, when I uh, think that there's just way too much insanity out there, I need a dose of uh, reality and uh, focus. I always turn to my good friend Jack Cashel to come on and and speak the truth. Thank you for joining me, sir. Hey, Mel, it's always a pleasure, and thanks for all your help with my various projects. Oh well, I mean, your help has been incredible to me as well. And I have to tell you, uh, we are living through really, really crazy times. The information uh -huh. war is insane. And uh, I want to talk about a couple things that we should actually be focusing on that because there's so much distraction. So first and foremost, uh, your thoughts on uh, this E. Jean Carroll, uh, $83 million verdict, and then her going on Rachel Maddow and like, like she won a game show talking about all the things she's going <laughs> to buy. Well, you know, that's, uh, you know, what it, it does in the minds of anyone who's fair minded, it further discredits the use of the legal system against Donald Trump, or, you know, presumably in the future against anyone who displeases, uh, you know, the elite. I mean, so uh, had she walked away with a $3 million verdict, people would have said, ah, well, now let it go. But $83 million, you know, obviously calls into question uh, the whole legitimacy of the legal system, certainly as it operates out of New York in regards to, to Donald Trump. Yeah. So it's, I thought it was a good thing. I'm oddly, I thought it was a, you know, she'll never get that 83 million, you know, she yeah. can, she can yeah. make believe she has it, you know, so. Yeah. But the people cheering it on, like they came out on, on uh, the view, of course, which, you know, we know what that is and, and on Matt out, just so excited. And, and to me, you know, you and I have, uh, you know, you're from Newark, I'm from Jersey and New York. It's like, I don't, people are, are really, um, I think obviously now it's become kind of a, an entertainment. Like it's no longer, uh, about the legal system, which is so sad. And at the same time, there are still people out there that were cheering on this verdict on the left. I just wonder how many, I don't think the people that I know in real life or that I came up with, or I grew up with would look at that and think anything except for this is so corrupt and upside down. But if you look on the left, at least on the eco chamber that they have out there, they seem very excited about it. Like it couldn't happen to anyone then. No, I mean, it's, I, you keep waiting for people to peel away, and some people are and have. However, the uh, the view uh, crowd and their viewers, I presume, don't. You know, they just haven't they haven't thought it through. I mean, so next time the eighty three million dollar verdict goes against uh, Whoopi Goldberg, then what? You know, right? Which of course she was sued, I, I believe, multiple times for things she said on the View, and those those lawsuits against those people never go anywhere. We never hear about them again. They come out of nowhere probably are settled by Disney, ABC, whatever the case may be. But anyone cheering it on is just not thinking about, you know, the whole reality of what that's doing for everyone. And, and that's what's bothering me also about a lot of these different groups that are involved in um, supposedly voter integrity and, and get out the vote things. And we've talked before about the Obama's get out the vote thing. And then there's protect democracy and the democracy alliance. And they all claim to be bipolar and bipolar. They do claim to be bipolar, but bipartisan. <laughs> oh, that was a yeah, right. But um, at the same time, uh, also uh, Zuckerberg was banned in a lot of states, not coming out. And then I see he rebranded as the U.S. 
um, Department for uh, Excellence in uh, Elections. So, you know, at the same time, I don't think these people think anyone should be allowed to vote. I don't think it's Republican or Democrat that they care about. I think they care about no more voting at all because everything they're doing is just to gain new voters to, uh, I guess, control the elections. But to me, I, it seems like because if you follow the money, it's the same group. You got eyes in behind a lot of it, crew, that crew group. You got uh, a lot of the same uh, open society people. What, what they're saying to me right now is that not only do they not believe in free and fair elections and transparent elections, but they don't believe that America, the American citizens should have a vote at all. I mean, that's what it seems like. Well, you know, what, what uh, was a curious case and a useful one is the case out of Bridgeport, Connecticut. And I don't know if your viewers are familiar with this, but they should be. Uh, in this case, it involved a Democratic primary in which, um, thanks to a whistleblower from within the you know the city establishment of Bridgeport, it's a totally Democratic city. It's right. the largest city in Connecticut. It's not an insignificant place. And uh, they caught on camera multiple people stuffing multiple ballots into a drop box in a Democratic primary. Uh, and it was the evidence was inarguable. And so what's happened is that the evidence was so compelling that the judge uh, overruled the nullified the election, the primary election. Then they went and had the general election while well, this is still going on. And now that's back in court. Wow. And the media are covering it because they kind of have to. But the the you know the semantic pretzels they put themselves into explaining why somehow this all negates what Trump is saying is uh, amazing. Uh, the, so the New York Times has a headline on this story just a couple of days ago, and it said something like, uh, "Okay, there was massive vote fraud in Bridgeport, but it's rare." Experts say you know, and has no reflection on the election in 2020. No. The reason, and they're arguing, of course, that when it happens, it gets they get caught. No, they get happen when it happens in a Democratic primary, when they're sloppy enough to do it in front of a, a surveillance video. Right. When they happen to have an insider, you know, the 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 challenger in this case is a, a you know is a person of color and a Democrat challenging the incumbent white mayor whose people are stuffing the ballot boxes. He's caught. He's busted. So now they have to reckon with the fact that this can and does happen. And then, you know, to the New York Times credit, they said when going back for years, as, as these kind of problems have plagued Bridgeport for, for probably since Boss Tweed, I mean, forever, we right. know that. But now they have to acknowledge that. But at the same time, the headlines like on CNN are, uh, despite Trump claims or right-wing claims, you know, I mean, it's always, no, you guys got busted. And you got busted uh, doing exactly what Dinesh D'Souza right. claimed you, you did in his documentary, 2000 uh, Mules. Right. And you've seen that, right? Of course, yeah. Now, yeah. here's an interesting twist on that story. Uh, I was just doing research today, so bear with me. I went to see 2000 Mules on his opening night in the theater, right? And my theater, like most theaters across the country, was packed. Right. Back then, I didn't buy my tickets a week in advance. And at the end, the audience stood and cheered and chanted USA and everything. So I leave the theater, go back, and to see how Twitter was going to handle this. This is a very powerful movie. And you know what they did? That day, Politico ran 
with the leaked Dobbs decision, right? Oh, so they just covered that it very up. Day, just right. a Monday, May 2nd, 2022, and it blew all other news out of the out of the uh, headlines. Right. Uh, no one was even talking about the movie. And oh. that allowed for enough time then for the fact checkers to come in and say, no, we are discrediting it or disbunking it for some trivial non-reason, you know. Yeah, uh, because the you know tracking they do can't get you right to the to the uh, the ballot box. Maybe within twenty feet of the ballot box, or you you're just imagining that they're going to the ballot box, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah. and so it was the history. But I've got to believe they leaked that on intentionally on that um, date, even any date. Yeah, this could've, is a tactic. Yeah, yeah, it's the tactic. This is why. Yeah. Offset uh, the potential of uh, of the voter fraud allegations. Yeah. I mean, this is what they do. They um, it's an information war. But the worst part is that, uh, you know, we've talked about many times on here the lie, which is uh, that they're always these, especially these groups, because they're not really left. If you dig into it and follow the money like I do, it's always the same 10 NGOs behind everything. A lot of them filtered right. through tides and Arabella and they're, you don't know where the money's going. You can't follow it. But they um, but what is happening already and has been going on since 2020, while there's a lot of people um, on the right, conservative groups and others doing election integrity conferences and all of that, they don't have the organized machine. Because when you look at all of the election stuff on the other side, it's coming from a very high up organized system that's, that's right. then filtering right. out all the information. So they're all on the same page and they're all connected through different democracy alliance or whatever so they can work together. And what I'm seeing is that while a lot of people on our side were trying to get the um, the obvious election fraud and questions and, and lawsuits and trying to change the rules back to what they were before the pandemic, um, the left this whole time has been working on these pop-ups all over the country, uh, indivisible, you know, um, project vote, you know, this def right. defend democracy in every county. But if you go on their websites and you look up what they're saying, it's all exactly the same. So, yeah. you know, that is a big problem on the right. And I think it always has been. And this might be because of the billionaire oligarchs that uh, fund all the stuff on the left, they have a, a vested interest in the controlled demolition of America. And maybe the people on the right that would give money to this stuff don't really see that as, as a benefit to them. I, I'm not sure, but it's the organization that comes from a very high level down that is is makes their machine, I think, so powerful and at the same time very dangerous because they claim to be for people of color and, uh, d you know, dis disenfranchised uh, voters and all of that. But when you look at who's running them, they're all basically Ivy League educated lawyers. <laughs> right. In fact, you know, if you um, did you read the uh, the Time magazine article by Mary Ball about oh, the 2020. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which she lay, she brags about what they did. Yeah. And they had two factors working for them in 2020. One was the uh, COVID and they were able to loosen up all the election laws and, you know, dismiss, you know, constitutional precedents on about state right. control of elections. But the other thing they did, and at the time it wasn't quite clear to me why they were sanctioning these riots and orchestrating them throughout that summer, the George Floyd riots right. and the Breonna Taylor riots and the, right. you know, the whoever, whoever riots, forgetting those names already. So many. Um, yeah, right. They, the Kenosha guy riots, yeah. or the Jacob whatever riots. Yeah. Um, but they were, uh, 
using that, and she brags about it. I mean, it's not like I'm making this up. Oh. Uh, to scare the Chamber of Commerce types into uh, challenging or accepting any challenges to the legitimacy of the 2020 election outcome. And they had 400, by her count, separate protest sites lined up for the day after the election, should the numbers seem to favor Donald Trump, right? And in the meantime, they had cautioned all their people, don't overreact immediately. Don't be concerned about the reported uh, numbers at the ballot box, because we've got this under control, right? Yeah. And, and they did it. And then they immediately went into the big lie, right? To where it's all that organized. You, the, you were part of the big lie, right? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Good. And yet there's an irony about this. And because uh, Biden was uh, was using the big lie phrase by, I don't know, November 7th or whatever. And uh, the big lie historically uh, was the uh, belief uh, by Adolf Hitler that the Jews had subverted the German cause in the World War One, right? Yeah, and that was to him the big lie. The big lie was that uh, yeah. that Germany had lost on its own. The reality was, in his mind, was that the Jews had subverted the election. To say anything other than that was a big lie. Um, and so Biden accuses Trump of the big lie, not being aware that Hitler had accused the Jews of the big lie. So he was. In a sense, on the wrong end of that equation, but it didn't matter to him because that was too complicated. So right, it became exactly. the big lie. Anyone who challenged it was a, a an election denier, another yeah. Holocaust term, you know, misplaced here, and uh, and and they did a very good job of silencing any um, any uh, mainstream Republican challenge to yeah. That Molly and then Ball, James, yeah, yeah. cemented that all. You know? Right. That Molly Ball article is so important, and it's really important yeah. right now because what I've done recently is I've gone back through not just that article, but that article is spawned by uh, the Transition Integrity Project, which is the right. you know they use integrity. It's like one of the biggest <laughs> uh, behind the scenes groups that is uh, yeah. literally subverting our democracy for real or our constitutional republic. Uh, to kind of have their one party system is crew. That's uh, that that also has a very All funny right, name. Right. Um, that would be for uh, ethics in Washington. Both uh, spawns <laughs> of Norm Eisen, who happened to be not only Obama's good friend from Harvard Law, but also Obama's ethics czar, and then an ambassador in a foreign country that then had a color revolution. A lot of people say uh, the color revolution uh, master in our government is. Norm Eisen. But what's really scary about the Molly Ball articles, he's quoted in there um, also and, and bragging about it. And remember, the, the whole title is about saving America from a Trump presidency. And That's if right. you go back to the year before when Podesta and obviously the Lincoln Project, Michael Steele and others, Crystal, but um, Eisen, Brooks, Dunn, a whole bunch of people. That was a year prior for my audience that doesn't remember, but it is on my uh, opposition playbooks on the Mel K Show resource page because it's important to look at what they did. They gamed out every way Trump could win. And what you're talking right. about was in there because they, they then had an executive summary of what they came up with. And it was that there would be riots in the streets and chaos as if there wasn't already. 
um, if Trump won and that this was so dangerous. So that was a talking point out of there. And recently, I not only looked back at her article, but I looked at all the people involved and that commented and the groups that were involved, crew being one of them. And when yeah. you look at that and you think about it and then you start reading and you realize almost everyone involved is a uh, lawyer from either Harvard or Yale uh, at the uh, very top. And then yeah. at the same time, they are it, it is another extension of kind of the lawfare mentality where they take, you know, um, something that's kind of seems clear and they redefine what it means. And then they put it out there as like a trigger of something to, to happen, even like when they do the lawfare, they'll, they'll have a, a normal statute that just makes sense on uh, common sense, and they'll reinterpret it to be something else, which is happening with a lot of these Trump, um, these Trump lawsuits. Also, I found that Eisen and Weissman, who were behind, um, uh, obviously, I, Eisen was the, uh, was the uh, impeachment lawyer for uh, the Ukraine impeachment, and Weissman obviously was behind the Mueller report. Both of them have been handing off briefs to Fannie Willis, to uh, Jack Smith, to um, all the people in New York. So this is the same group of people that have been manipulating the law and the voting stuff through law since before Trump became president. The same group right. is really funneling yeah. this all down. And I, I would think if the American people, regardless of what side you fall on, would find it a, a problem that really everything's coming from a small group of, of basically, uh, you know, har uh, Ivy League trained lawyers that are so disconnected from the people. It's shocking. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, what we struggle with is a term to categorize all these people. And the phrase I've been using is Jacobins, because yeah. I'm just a, a little, uh, you know, back in time uh, history lesson here. In 1789, the, the year actually the United States began officially, George Washington was sworn in as president. Uh, the uh, Jacobin club formed in Paris, uh, they get the name from a convent where they met. They had a for official name like, you know, the uh, Integrity Project or something. Right, exactly. Um, but what they were was a uh, somewhat radical cohort from the French National Assembly that pulled out, formed their own caucus, and they began to manipulate the crowds, the power of the crowds, the power of the Parisian mobs to solidify their own power. And uh, like America's Jacobins, they used that threat of mob violence to ascend to power. And uh, once they had power, then they were uh, openly godless. I mean, much more so than our Jacobins who are subtly godless. Right. Uh, you know, they desecrated the Notre Dame and called it the Temple of Reason. Right. They launched these pogroms against Christians, Catholics all across France. And they executed some 30,000 people with the mob cheering them on every time in Paris often without the even the the uh, appearance of, of some sort of judicial process. Right. And I mean, it came to a bad end very quickly. They also suppressed free speech. But not. I mean, it was just the same thing. But if you look at the Jacobins in America, they're in it for a different reason. Not They're not all in it for the same reason. But the Jacobin Club in Washington includes now all Democrats, many Republicans, and includes uh, the entire administrative state, much of the uh, intelligence community, they've wormed their way into the military. Uh, they own the healthcare industry now, which is crazy. Yeah. All those associations 
you know, American, some medical associations. Yeah. Right. Uh, they have turned Hollywood into a uh, club Jacobin. You know, yeah. they fully own that industry. They fully own uh, Silicon Valley. They own every major newsroom in America with the potential exception of Fox and most of the minor newsrooms and increasingly the corporate boardrooms. This is a powerful group of people. Yeah. And they're not leftist necessarily. Like you say, a lot of them, they're in it for the power and for, and for the control. And uh, they use the mobs to keep uh, the, uh, you know, the weak sisters in that crowd in line. Yeah. And their basic goal, though, is they align with the Jacobin elites and other nations, right? And they so proudly, proudly, because isn't that where accused comes from? That you're just accused, yeah, so you're uh, guilty. Zola, <laughs> that's a different case. That's a Dreyfus case, but uh, same he concept. Was, no, right? He was rebelling against the uh, the elites of France who were trying to railroad uh, a Jewish uh, army captain. Uh, so, yeah, we get a lot of our ideas from France. They gave us the word entrepreneur and. Well, I say fair, but you know, this they have some bad sides too there, you know. So. <laughs> they do. It's funny you bring up um that Jacobin Club, because you know, they're they're proudly part members of it. But if you trace some of these people too, because I've really been going through like the Democracy Fund, Democracy Alliance, America Votes, but if you really uh, the Center for Public Integrity, which is a lot of journalists that are on the left that seem to have all right. the same talking points about Trump's gonna destroy um, the uh, democracy that we don't have. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but, you know, this this one group, um, especially uh, that these same guys are a part of, they uh, also seem to be funneling out the endless articles about Donald Trump that's, you know, uh, Kagan, he's like, you know, the NATO guy and Victoria Newland's husband, you know, wrote that op-ed, uh, a Trump dictatorship is increasingly inevitable. We should stop <laughs> pretending. Eisen and his friends and uh, the crew people put out a thing about demo the crisis of democracy. You know, uh, another Trump presidency is the biggest threat to liberal democracy. I mean, with what we're dealing with now, and looking at what Trump actually did, or even what he's saying, this is all mind games. This is this is what you're talking about. This is a group of people, and it's all the same money. It's all the same money. This is the same people that are using the mob fear of yeah. a, a dictator, apparently, that doesn't exist. If anything, the people that are in there now that are opposing, are standing behind or propping up Joe Biden, mainly unelected um uh, bureaucrats, because a lot of these people also tra trace to the Brookings Institute. So, sure. you know, what they're saying is, uh, Hannah Wren said it was like a dictatorship by bureaucracy. I, that's what we're dealing with. And then they're the ones writing the articles that we should watch out for dicta dictatorship because of what they're saying one man. We have way worse than that without one man, but with this group of people we're talking about. Hey guys, Mel K here. Another great thing you can find on our website, themelkshow.com, is our partners page. We've vetted all these people. They are patriot businesses. If we are going to defund the cabal, we really have to stop giving them our money. So we've come up with a bunch of different partners that support us, support America. They build jobs. They build the economy parallel, which is what we need. So please go to our partners page. Check everyone out. We got something for everyone there. And uh, they 
are patriots, we are patriots, you are patriots. We gotta all stand together going forward. The economy is a big way to fight, and we can fight back by putting our dollars in the right places and not with the corporate entities that are trying to take our country down. So remember to go over to look at our partners page. We vetted everyone. These are real patriots. The best way to fight the cabal is to stop giving them your money. We have a parallel economy we're building, and you can be part of it. Go woke, go broke. We are done with that. Please go to our partners page. Everyone there is a patriot, just like you. Actually, it's amazing that we have one man. We have one man standing up against this massive uh, uh, conspiracy. I mean, this yep. massive cabal. I mean, Mary Ball uses the word cabal to describe uh, this alliance, which is pretty accurate, actually. Yeah. Uh, and yet, I, he still has a fighting chance, which is which makes this year's election so inspiring in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's. Um, I, I remain an optimist. I, you know, and Me too. I, I look for good signs, you know, in the culture, things that are, I like when they lay off all those people at the Los Angeles Times, when Sports Illustrated goes, to, you know, the bunk. <laughs> I mean, I know. Uh, uh, go kerfuffle. The uh, Washington Post off losing $100 million. Uh, Taylor Lorenz weeping on her, uh, you know, Instagram page. About, oh. uh, the you have to wonder about the bubble. Millennials is being wiped out. Well, that's too bad. And then you're going to have to find out how do we make a living now? What do we right. do? You know, right. mom, you know, dad. You know, right. I mean, that's uh, what it is anyway. And and the truth is, a lot of these these people that we're talking about that get to those places of power, unlike when when I went to school or you went to school and you worked your way up to here. They got into that those positions because of mom and dad in a lot of these cases. Because right. you right. exactly right. You trace some right. of these it's, like Lorenz and others. They went to these elite schools. Even the woman who was running Harvard. You look at her background. You're like, this is not. It's like the Michelle Obama story. That lady too. It's like this is not some person who came up by the bootstraps and worked so yeah. hard. They were they were in the private, you know, grooming schools for the Ivy League from the beginning, and now they're you out know, there. Yeah. Right. I mean, DEI, the term may be new, but the concept's been around for 60 years, literally. I got squeezed out of academia because I was a white male. I was just told, well, you're not wanted, basically. Yeah. And I couldn't understand at the time how other white males in power were allowing this to happen. And then I started meeting their children, you know, who are my age. Yeah. They didn't go. They were, they got, they got circumvented. They circumvented this whole thing. Oh, yeah. They went right to Harvard or Yale or Princeton or wherever, you know. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them were smart. I mean, they probably could have gotten in on their own, but they never had to worry about it. You know, if your dad's name is on the gymnasium, you're going there. Right. Right. And um, and but they didn't care about the, the white working middle classes. They just the hell with you guys, you know. Yeah. And so the net result was kind of positive because it forced people like me out of academia. We had to figure out how to make a living on our own. Right. Uh, outside of that world where our race and our gender we're going to work against us. It's been going on for 50 years, at least 60 yeah. years. I agree. Uh, and now we're talking about it finally, which is good. Yeah, I saw that uh, 100% in Hollywood, too. I tell I tell the story all the time. A pretty big director who, like, you know, worked on Miami Vice and all this stuff, Emmys, Oscars, whatever. I, I, was, I happened to have been on the lot at Paramount. I guess he came out of a meeting, a very recognizable guy. And he was yelling at, at somebody being like, so what? We're never you're not never going to hire any of us again. Is that what you're saying? He's, a, he's probably your age now. Very successful white director. And 
he was saying, so so being a white man in Hollywood, my career's over. Is that what you're saying? And this is about 11, 12 years ago. Right, and right. I, I distinctly remember it. And people were around looking and they, I mean, he was he's recognizable by face, which a lot of directors are not. And and that was and then from that time on, that is what happened out there. Uh, other than the people that because doing these Marvel movies and all that, people don't understand the craft of, of directing. That's a very specific kind of director. Oh, sure. yeah, okay. And yeah. it's very hard to, to like J.J. Abrams and those guys. They can't replace them. You know, they, no. they, that is that is a honed craft over decades. But when you're talking about narrative films or or one hour dramas Sundance or whatever. kind of films or right. Mally Obama. Right, exactly, exactly. And but, people don't realize yeah. that one hour dramas, they they usually have a different like I worked on Madam Secretary. We had a different director almost every show, but the whole crew right. and, and everyone else doesn't change. So it started to be that you were like every week it was like, oh, you know, here's a uh, Asian uh, uh, tough lesbian lady. She's going to make a take a big different direction this week or this episode. And then the next one, you're like, wow. And then you're thinking after a while, like there's a pattern here. Well, you know, sense. it's uh, the exception, though, of course, this is like, as as is true everywhere in America, even more so in Hollywood. OK, we have to promote the. Uh, you know, the uh, marginalized, whatever you call them. Right. But we've got to leave room for the Nepo babies exactly. who've been dominating Hollywood for the last, since Jane Fonda first emerged on the scene. Oh, yeah. I mean, so the, half of the named actors that we know are the children of actors or directors. Almost all the of them. Hand. Almost the all stars, of them. like the Tom Cruises, the Brad Pitts, the uh, Harrison Fords, the Schwarzeneggers, they come up on their own. Right. But the... Uh, Sean Penn's the, uh, you know, Robert Downey uh, Jr. No, as Robert good as Downey. they are. And it's not that they're not good. Also, these people, you know, I studied for a really long time. I went to NYU. So I'm telling you that there is a commitment to learn the craft. It is not easy. And anyone that thinks that does not understand the eight to 10 takes of every scene <laughs> that you have to replicate exactly. Uh, it's a lot of work, but they also got the best training. And, and you know, right. as much as it's training and going to school, there's nothing more fun to me than acting class. So I got to oh, tell no, you. I, some of them are the good actors. Classes. Yeah. Right. I mean, some of these people are good actors. Gwyneth Paltrow's. Oh, yeah, I yeah. can list the, uh, you know, the uh, Charlie Sheen's, whoever. Yeah. But it's not that they're not good actors. It's just that they lack intrinsic star power. You know, they're not breakout uh, stars. They didn't come like, from nowhere. That's know? right. People like that. the generation older than them, the Al Pacinos and Robert right. De Niro's and uh, right. Dustin Hoffman's and, and then the next generation down, Cruz and Pitt, uh, Harrison Ford. I mean, they're going away and then we're all going to be left with is just Nepo babies, you know, yeah. who are okay. It's already there. It's already yeah. that. And because uh, that that Gwen Gwyneth because that was my generation the Gwyneth Paltrow generation she's she's a phenomenal actor but like you said Charlie Sheen her Downey Jr Sean Penn they were trained by the best of the best from very very young which helps as well yes. the generation now is not that and and you can see it in the work and um and a lot of times they're surrounded by much better actors. That kind of yeah. lift them up. But um, what I've right. also been hearing, because I haven't been there in a long time, but the strike ended and a lot of people I do know um, that are very successful and out there trying to sell projects again after two years, three years of none of that. Right. They're walking into meetings like at Amazon Prime or Netflix or whatever. And they're, they're like the entire room of executives are under 30. 
And these yeah. guys are all like in their fifties being like, and they're asking them to change stuff. And I, I have friends, I just told this story. They've had a couple of Netflix series that were successful. They had a deal with Amazon. They went in there to the meeting after everything. They, it's been waiting three years. They don't know any of these people. They're making all these things. And these guys, it was about like Latino gangsters in, in California. And they got up and they walked out. They were like, we're done. We, we'd rather not make it than make it the way you want us to. And, and I think yeah, that's happening right, a lot, right. which is a good thing. Well, you know, I was watching uh, last night uh, and I was Death Wish, the original Death Wish with Charles Bronson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think we saw that recently. We also saw a movie first you could make today. It could never uh, be made. Never. And in the movie, which is what's interesting is that and and I I hadn't seen it in a long time and I forgot how it started, but his, you know, his wife and daughter are attacked. And the attackers are all white, right? Something, okay, here we go. One of them is Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Right. Oh, he shows up in a lot of those old movies that yeah, like, like right. one one scene. He's a he right. was in like Annie in, Hall uh, Annie, in one Annie scene. Annie Hall, right. It's a great scene. It's a great line in Annie Hall. Yeah. But then uh so then we do that, but then it gets really realistic. And most of the attackers are uh, are black, right? The most of the people he shoots and kills. Uh, and so he's at a party. You know, he plays an architect, Charles Bronson does. And he's at this like chi-chi party and he, he overhears this conversation. Now he's well into his, uh, he had been a conscientious objector, you know, after his wife is killed, he, he realizes that, you know, he's got to do his stuff, but he overhears these two people talking and one guy says, he goes, oh, this, that killer is so racist. The vigilante is so racist. And the woman says, oh, why? Why? What do you say is racist? Because, well, most of the people he's killed are black. And the woman says, well, most of the muggers are black. We want them to recruit, you know, white people so we can have, you know, equality in the mugger workplace. This, this is a line in the movie. I said, my goodness, 74. Uh, let's go back to the time. time people were just people honest about things honest. and let it, let it fall where it may. Yeah, that's so true. You know, it's funny. I just saw a clip. I didn't. I don't watch the show anymore. It's got way too woke, which is very sad for the Law and Order uh, franchise. But yeah. um, they just had on a Law and Order where uh, SVU, where the girl didn't want to press charges because the rapist was black, and and she felt like it was wrong, and and he had a hard life. I mean, this was just an episode on Law and Order right. SVU. <laughs> NBC well, yeah. just tripling down. The problem with those true crime, I mean, those crime dramas is if there's a black or a gay person or a lesbian or whatever, we know they're not going to be guilty. We know that it's the other person who's doing it. it. Takes all the mystery out of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really true. And, you know, what's funny is uh, I found one of these groups like that I talk about a lot, the uh, Center for Public Integrity, a lot of, a lot of left wing journalists, a plan, uh, part right. of this. Um, so they have a section on exposing attacks on democracy. And the first line says, as demographic changes put non-white, non-Hispanic white Americans on the verge of being a minority in this in the U.S., our country faces historic attacks against the very existence of a multiracial democracy. This is coming from the very top of the woke, uh, you know, ESG controllers. They actually put in their own paperwork that um, they're very excited that the non-Hispanic white Americans are on the verge of being a minority. So like- uh, And we we're just not even close to that, by the way. Yeah, right. We, we'll, we can talk about it, this whole phenomenon. We just can't talk about it as the great replacement theory, you know? No, don't say that. Yeah, no, That's right. just unacceptable behavior. But what they um, overlook, 
and this is curious, I haven't heard anyone talk about this. Is it in, especially with the new waves of immigration, who knows coming across the border? Uh, African-Americans are losing power. Their relative uh, position uh, is being minimized. Their proportion of the population is diminishing, right? Yeah. So in a state like California, for instance, there, I mean, there are at least three or four times as many Hispanics as are African-American. Right. Yeah. And Hispanics uh, become white very quickly. I mean, a great percentage of them marry white people and their children are white. I mean, they may yeah. have an, you know, they may be called Hernandez or something, but they're for all practical purposes, white people. And um, it's, uh, and they intermarry you know, without a thought. It's not that they're, yeah. they're marrying a white guy or a Hispanic girl. No, right. or whatever. They don't they even think about it. Right. That's right. Yeah. Or even things like, uh, you know, I'm, I live in Kansas city and, I was watching the news uh, with my wife the other night. She's a big football fan. You know, actually a bigger fan than I am. I root for the Chiefs, of oh, course. Yeah, yeah. And they were talking about the game between the Chiefs and the Ravens. And the announcer said, um, she goes, he goes, uh, this is the first uh, divisional game ever between two black quarterbacks, right? Well, this, And then my wife said, she's a recent convert to Fox News, et cetera, said, what? She goes, Mahomes is more white than black, right? He's got a white wife. He's got white children, right? Yeah. Uh, why are we lumping him as the first black quarterback to play, you know? Because the average African-American is about 25% white DNA. So presuming that his father is average, his mother is 100% white, he's probably 60% white. Right. He marries a white woman. He has two little white children, little blonde-headed children, you know? They're not. They they're overlooking what happens when uh, when you have real uh, interracial harmony. Yeah. Uh, Steve King, uh, who's a friend and uh, was a congressman from Iowa, who was driven out of Congress by Liz Cheney and Kevin McCarthy, right, uh, was all in favor of interracial marriage, and that which made it hard for the opposition to call him a white supremacist, which they did anyhow. Um, but it's it is. They're not thinking down the road. They're thinking down the road, but in immediate future, not not far enough down the road to, to make a difference. It's not necessarily good what they're wishing on us because the immediate future could be disastrous. Right. But their plans for, uh, you know, uh, a, a non-white America are they, never they really- They them out. They put them right out there in their own yeah. thing. Because this group that, that I, that wrote this whole thing on their own website about the, this being a danger to democracy, that the uh, non-Hispanic white Americans on the verge of minority are trying to destroy democracy is what they're actually saying on their own website, which is funded by all the other ones that are by the same yeah. guys. Again, white billionaires that align globally. Because the other thing, and, and I, I saw what you wrote also about Sports Illustrated, because they had a transgender and an obese woman on their swimsuit issue, which it's right. like, we, we don't have to change everything. You know, like it's a swimsuit issue. We know what to expect. And then you're shocked and they want you to be shocked. But I think the big, there's also a big misconception in America right now, even when it came to all the NFL stuff people are talking about, is that these are American companies. These are not American companies. They do not make the bulk of their of their um wealth at this point and their profits in America anyway. So people are looking at this and saying, well, why don't these American companies care about making a profit? Well, they might not care about making a profit in America, 
but, you know, to look at all of them and try to, you know, decipher, well, why are they going so woke? Be Bud Light or or any of these things or the NFL in the in the in the end zones being all about pride or all about uh, BLM, which is not good for the black people. They already know that. They don't care about profit because I don't think they care about America profit or America. And people still think of their American companies and are like, how could Nike do that? And I'm thinking Nike and Apple are not American companies. No, and uh, they're a big market. I mean, the NBA is the one that's most compromised. Yeah, obviously. National Basketball Association. Uh, And they've sold out to China a long time ago. And they were the one uh, general manager of the Houston Rockets was, you know, you know, taken to the woodshed for uh, celebrating Hong Kong's resistance. <laughs> it's being intimidated. They put over. it on the, on the jumbotron, I think. Right. And then LeBron James comes out and says, uh, he's uneducated. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You know? yeah. Okay, LeBron, sure. After uh, LeBron James them, goes on TV and says he hates white people flat out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But hats off. Here's a guy who doesn't get the attention he deserves is Ennis Cantor, who is the Turkish-American... Yeah basketball player now and his freedom who stood up against all of this and paid for it with his career i mean he's now you know uh, on the sidelines but for we now, shall see some of these people they they will re-emerge as the people who stood their ground when it was when it was hard and ended up right. being right um now uh i did want to mention this because you know a lot about history and the constitution and the reality of our nation um, you brought up before, uh, these God kind of godless people, uh, Raskin is one of them that was involved in that, uh, secular Democrats of America document, another document that they just lay out right in there that they don't want God or religion, especially Christians in any way involved in, in government. Like it's, it's a crazy document. If people haven't read it, uh, secular Democrats of America recommendations for the Biden Harris regime. It's a shocking read. But um, again, now, uh, Goldman, a, a like we're talking about, born into tremendous wealth from the Levi Strauss uh, family, and Raskin and a bunch of other Democrats have introduced a bill, H.R. 6981, to amend Title 18 U.S. States Code to prohibit unauthorized private mar- paramilitary activity and for other purposes. It is actually a bill to outlaw armed militias of three people or more from defending themselves without authorization from the federal government. Uh, This is an interesting time to put in this bill in the last week, uh, especially when they are filling our nation in every single way with illegals that we don't know where they're from. And I don't think most are from Mexico or South America. But um, what do you make of them putting that in? That seems like a, a total straight up, we're taking away the second amendment. I would say, yeah, because, uh, you know, yeah, and what they ignore too is that there are militia groups on the left, and there's Muslim uh, groups as well. Uh, I have friends in the militia movement, and I, and I remember this is back in the Waco days, you know, when I'd yeah. hang out with these guys, and and I mentioned it just sort of casually, people would be horrified, you know. Yeah, I said these guys are good citizens; they're all preppers, you know. They, you know, they're uh, they're benign; they don't commit crimes. They, you know, they're just there, ready just in case. You know, something bad happens, you know. And And right now uh, we should be thinking that that's probably likely to happen because we have all. See, that's why them putting in this bill right now makes me very because they're Raskin and Goldman watching them, you know, and Goldman was involved in the fraudulent uh, Ukraine impeachment with all the other guys. 
and these guys, they know that the likelihood of some sort of uprising, because I've gotten plenty of information and email from New York about a, a uprising that they're organizing for the um, illegals that they shipped all over uh, with what I'm looking at from democratic socialists, from the UN, from other NGOs, open society, they'll be like demand citizenship. And it'll be, it looks like the same money as black lives matter and all the other ones. So that is on the horizon. We don't know where all these people coming in that Michael Yan and Ben Bergstrom, they're showing they're, they're either Chinese or they're African. We got all those people that came in from Afghanistan. So the likelihood that you may have to defend your neighborhood seems to be pretty high now compared to any other time in history. And yet this is when they decide to unarm. And it, it literally says three people or more. And of course, everything that these guys put in, there's vague language of like where it says and others. So, so that's like the red right, flag. That makes every gun club uh, a criminal enterprise, basically. Yes, exactly. Uh, in fact, Kuriska referring back to Death Wish. And I recommend people watch this because after his wife is murdered, uh, he's uh, Charles Bronson is out on his project. Uh, his name is Paul Kersey in the movie. Sounds like a familiar name, but he's out in Arizona on his architectural project, and he's working with this Arizonan guy who says to him, "Hey, out here, we take care of ourselves. We protect ourselves." So he takes him to the gun range, right? And it turned out that even though he's a conscientious objector in Korea, Charles Bronson was a grew up in a gun family, and he's a crack shot, right? Right. And they go to the gun range and and they talk at length about how guns are just a tool. They're designed to protect you. And Arizona goes, we don't take this stuff, you know. Yeah. In New York, you're just, you know, sitting ducks. Yeah. Well, and that's the irony of this. The people most vulnerable to an uprising are the sitting ducks in uh, America's cities. In New York who, City, in Los Angeles, in right. in Oakland. And yeah, I mean, it's it's insane. The laws in, in New York City, you cannot, even if you're a victim of domestic violence, getting a gun is almost impossible. Getting a gun yeah. permit. And right. uh, yeah, so that's the other part of this. And then them putting in that bill to make sure, because what I also read recently is that there's more hunters than ever before in the history of America that, uh -huh. you know, so what, you go out with four friends hunting and, and the, uh, you know, they come in and they fed surrection you and, and all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. like you have no defense and, right. and these guys, Raskin and Goldman are making sure that you will be, you know, that you will totally be taken to task and probably thrown in jail for as long as the fraudulent Proud Boys uh, verdict. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, and as you know, I'm working now on a January 6th book and yeah. uh, that's a, um, you know, I, I hats off to all the people who've done all the work before me because I couldn't have even begin to do it without it. And many of them are very helpful. Right. But um, there is so much there. You know? It's shocking. I can't even imagine what you're going through right now, reading all this stuff that people don't even know and people can't put together. And as you notice, so much of the Biden-Harris plan, which you and I both think it's not going to be going that way, but at least for now, it's either about abortion or insurrection and and the insurrection thing and 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 the the threat to democracy. So all of that. What are you finding so far that you find is the most um, shocking, or is the thing that you look at your wife and you say you won't believe this? <laughs> well, that, that's a good question. Um, you know what I'm doing is I'm my the book is uh, working title is Ashley, right? And then the un, the subtitle is uh, the untold story of the women of January sixth. So and I'm I'm pr tracking ten different women. Right. Eight of whom survived, uh, Ashley Babbitt and Roseanne Boyland did not. Right. 
Right. Um, you know, and I'm I, in many ways it's a human interest story, but I'm looking for the common themes. What what caused them to do? What what motivated them? What activated them? Um, the shock, the surprising thing, and this isn't is um, COVID. They were all independently horrified by the COVID lockdowns, and clubs and groups started clustering together as a result of that. Right. That was during 2020 when we have the riots and stuff. What doesn't, what wasn't a factor in these women's lives, and a lot of them had diaries and journals and Facebook posts, was race, racism. Right? Doesn't even, it's not even in the top hundred things that concern them. They're coming from places like Boise, Idaho. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not driving them. So the whole white supremacy narrative is utterly bogus. Right. I would say the uh, among the more interesting findings, though, and this is the one that uh, I'm working on. Anyone who has some inside information, would be happy to hear about it. Is that the one thing that they didn't count on to the degree that this was planned was the the murder of Ashley Babbitt. That was that screwed everything up, right? Because they own the narrative otherwise, right? right? They own that narrative of these evil, horrible people doing X, Y, and Z. And here we have this attractive young veteran being shot and, and it's being captured on video, right? So they can't hardly even uh, finagle around it. Right. So just the one detail that I'll throw out now that I found very interesting. One of the women I'm interviewing was driving home that night from, uh, and they virtually all drove to Washington because they didn't want to fly because right. of the restrictions on the airplane. Yeah, at the time, sure. She was driving home and she wanted to, she was talking to a friend. Uh, she wanted to stop and visit a friend in Maryland on the way home. And she called a friend whose husband had been a Capitol Police officer. And um, she said, oh, I, I was just saying, boy, I had an incredible day. I was in Washington. And the woman said, you were in Washington? You killed the Capitol Police officer with a fire extinguisher. You, said, her. Well, you people killed the Capitol Police officer. This is on the evening of January 6th, right? When on we wouldn't have even known. So January that's 6th, a talking Ryan point. Is, is still yeah. alive and well. Right. Right? Oh, wow. Now, Interesting. Now, on uh, January 7th, Brian Sicknick dies of a, a stroke, basically. A series of strokes. By the morning of January 8th, two law enforcement authorities, officials, right. are telling the New York Times, who have run a big story on this, that Brian Sicknick was killed with a, a fire extinguisher. And it was very detailed. He was uh, rushed away with a big gash into his head, blood pouring down his face. Totally bogus. Total lie. And so someone... And this is where the, uh, I'd love to be able to identify who the someones are, who the law enforcement, I have some ideas. You probably do but, too. Yeah. But someone community, someone, what they did is they said, my God, they've got a martyr. We don't have a martyr, right? Oh, we need a martyr. And so they take the story. There was a fire extinguisher thrown on January 6th, harmlessly, right? At some protester threw a fire extinguisher at a, at a Capitol Police officer. Right. Uh, so fire extinguisher is in play. They they take that and then they get lucky on January 7th when Sicknick dies, right? And then they take the fire extinguisher story, embellish it, and hand it to the New York Times, which runs with it uncritically on January 8th. Yeah. And that's just one example out of many of, of the of the Can't things wait. that they did. 
I can't wait till your book comes out because the one thing that you do is you you are very skeptical of everything you hear and in your books you you write as as a skeptical observer and one thing that is really disturbing because I've had on like seventeen different people I have on I think maybe patient zero of of January six uh, Jeremy Brown often and I have to tell you that um. The judges still to this day in court, when I listen to it, because you can listen to it, to the sentencing, they're still saying that five police officers were killed. Right, right. Almost every sentencing. And it is, it is, and even with people that are nonviolent. And it's just to me, I mean, the, the federal court in, in D.C. has proven itself to be so corrupt to the core but you would think at this point this is how i feel about a lot of the COVID stuff too there's so much evidence out that that is not true that it, it's it's scary to think that maybe they still think that that's even scarier not that they're making it up but that they right. still believe that is the shocking thing to me if they do you know because merrick garland and joe biden are still saying using the figure of five but I have a, I'm working with a private investigator, in fact, who's so cool. done some research into the suicides. Uh, and it's unfortunate. I mean, my father was a cop who committed suicide. So I sympathize with that whole phenomenon. Uh, I get it. There's a lot of stress, a lot of things going on. Uh, the These suicides took place over a seven-month period, right? You would think if, if there was a real journalist left, they would yeah. want to find out why did these guys commit suicide, right? Yeah. What was it? Maybe exactly. they were ashamed yeah. of what happened on January 6th. You know? Yeah. Maybe they, uh, yeah. maybe they didn't commit suicide, right? I mean, who knows? I mean, and that and where they have this major narrative to protect, right? Uh, and I don't yeah, want to go using into too these much. people. Sitnik's family kind of was in on it. I mean, they they went along with it regardless of knowing the truth too. So it's always like who did how did they get to these people? Are these people willing participants? It's it's unclear. Because when you bring that up about the suicides, uh, and I, I hope you dig into that and figure that out because I still don't know why all the people that watched uh Anthony Weiner's laptop killed themselves. All those cops so apparently yeah. uh committed suicide too. And were they suicides? So again, this is a similar pattern to being privy to something that obviously is cooked up by the deep state and involves a lot of high power profile people. And here are these cops that seem to be just, you know, everyday cops suddenly are killing themselves, but they were all multiple cops were involved in one incident. It's very interesting to look into that. Right. And a key player in this, and I'm going to give you a little trivia question because I think you'll know the answer. Yeah. A key player in this is a fellow named Dr. Roger Mitchell. Remember Roger Mitchell? No, remind me. He's, it's not, I thought you were going to say Pittman. <laughs> no, Roger Mitchell was the doctor who coerced Andrew Baker, the Hennepin County Medical Examiner. Oh, from Chauvin? Yeah, to uh, wow. uh, change the diet, to change his uh, autopsy report from uh, natural, you know, from heart attack and cardiovascular right. into uh, neck suppression, subdual, oh, police wow. murder, right? So he shows up in this case? He was the medical examiner for in the D.C. on January 6th, right? Get out of here. Wow. It's <laughs> yeah, a small it was, club. Right? It is a small. That is shocking because you broke that story about him being involved at all. And then when we watched all the aftermaths after you wrote right. the story, rarely, if ever, does he come up. 
That is shocking to hear that, that yeah. he is the medical so examiner. How, is that it that we, how was it that it took four months before uh, the medical examiner's office said, oh, yeah, actually, Sicknick died of a stroke? For four months, they're allowed to drive that uh, that home, right? That same guy then, responsible for that? He was the head of the... Uh, he was a, the head of the D.C. Medical Examiner's Office. He stepped down at the end of January, but it's it's his office, his people. Right. right? He appoints the next guy. Uh, they have told one other story that was critical to their uh, maintaining the control of the narrative, and that is that Roseanne Boylan died of a uh, amphetamine overdose. Right? She didn't. No. That was obvious. Oh God, her stories. I watched Lara Logan and other people report on this really crazy and then the other thing that's coming up and i know you're going to get into roseanne boylan it's really important people understand what happened there it's horrific i i have people that were eyewitnesses to that that have come on the show and they talk about it and like cry these grown yeah. men some of them in jail you know some right. of the people that are have never had a trial yet they witness that they Multiple. they tried try to resuscitate her you know jake yeah. lang yeah um, oh yeah and um, the other one um that that they did Philip, somebody that they haven't, that they just oh, recently, Anderson. that they just yeah. recently charged. He was all bloody. He was trying to yeah. stop it. And there are yeah. pictures of him. And those, those people are, you know, and, and another thing, I, I can't wait for your book because you, you really dig in because another thing that I've realized about January 6th, they went unproportionately after uh, cops, ex-cops and ex-military because how is it that with all these people Almost every single person that I've talked to has some relationship to either being a veteran or right. being a cop. That's and, right. That's, and that's Trump true. supporter veteran cops. Yeah. And you know and, what's interesting with women too is that even though the men were treated more harshly in the courts, uh, the women were treated more harshly on the scene. They were the ones who got their heads bloodied, right? A lot of times by women cops, it appears as yes, well, which right. is terrifying, right. which is why I right. hate this. And I've always said this from very young to, to now, all these people that are like, uh, believe all women, women are so great. I'm like, ugh, the meanest people that I've dealt with in my whole life are women <laughs> in power. They're way worse than, than put men a, to you me. You steel baton in their hands and you watch out. <laughs> I know, but that, that's why, that's why I'm glad. And also I, I don't, I'm sure you've seen it. Um, Darren Beatty did really good work on the pipe bomber. Talk about a yeah, so, total yeah, fraud. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I I, mean, I'm like a total junkie. I wait for the new release from these guys. And I, I really have to, I, I'm, uh, I have to, I approach this with all humility because I could not have begun to do this without the work that's been done by people like, Laura Logan and Julie Kelly and yeah, uh, I think your work too. And others, you know. Yeah, you you often though in all your work you take the you take the tone of personalizing this because there's still I mean yeah. even though these people are doing that it's still they're they're reporters you tend to dig in and personalize it for the audience or your readers in a way that it it's you take it you need to understand that it could have been anyone because you know what I've been talking about lately I'm keeping you long but I, I did want I had to go into the the situation that's going on right now connected to January 6th in some ways, because I've been talking to a bunch of uh, libertarian and, and even like non-voters, anarchists that want to do an anti-war uh, protest in DC. And I mean, a big giant one that's not, that's not left or right. A lot of people believe not only Ukraine, what's happening in Israel, the push to Taiwan, what's now happening with Iran 
is all the military industrial complex. It's all about money and we don't want to pay for it. The taxpayers are done. They, they get the war, war model and it doesn't work for us and it doesn't work for the rest of the world, not for the people that actually go fight the wars. So there's a big movement that's arising that I've been uh, kind of pulled into that want to organize a big giant anti-war thing. And just like what's going on, I know the people doing the convoy. They came to me on January 5th that's going to Texas right now. And um, good people. And they worked hard to organize it. They're not going to the border. But now with both of these things, then the, then you get this, well, it's going to be another Fed surrection. And, we, and, and the Feds are going to infiltrate it. And those people must be Feds. And so what is happening is that the Pelosi or whoever was really the architects behind at least the storyline of January 6th being an insurrection and all of that have succeeded to a certain extent that as soon as people organize to do something, the first thing you're told is, well, it's going to be infiltrated. And do you know if those people are are, are working for the Fed secretly and all of that? It, it's a very sad consequence of what we've dealt with so far. Yeah, they, they have done a very good job of sowing paranoia amidst people who, uh, the great majority of whom, you know, were on the same page. You know, yeah. they're all had the same motives, same positive motives. But uh, I don't know. I, I would be wary of uh, of mass movements at this point. Just uh, yeah, it's sad though to me because I, I I I see the positivity in it and the, and the the good intentions. But at the same time, that is what they wanted. They wanted us yeah. to not be able to to challenge Trust the government ever again and feel safe and positive about it. To fear it, fear the government. I think right. And if we can't if we can't trust each other, uh, we can't organize. You know, right. and that's. Uh, you're right. They have succeeded in that. But Mel, I really appreciate your uh, taking the time to talk to me today. It was always fun. So Well, it's always great. I want you to tell everyone where to find your books, where to find you, how to follow you. And uh, I uh, I have kept you long. So uh, let's do that. And I'll put all your links below as always. And we'll catch up in a few weeks with whatever happens on planet Earth. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's certainly going to be uh, worthy of discussion. Right. Actually, my website is casual.com. C-A- S-H-I-L-L.com. And that's, um, uh, you know, I beat my relatives to that website about 20 years ago. So they're still mad at me. Uh, and my um, my Twitter handle is Jack Cashel, at Jack Cashel. I mean, I, I use my own name, you know. It's, I even okay. have a blue check. You don't have pay to. For it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, the only reason to have that is if you're posting video there, in my opinion. But because uh, it's turning into the WhatsApp of America, if people don't know that yet. Um, but it allows you to uh, email other people. Oh, it does? You know, I, I mean, I to text, to use uh, Twitter. That's why I did it. Oh, so I could use it. Uh, I can I can message people. And you have uh, to because of the job you do yeah. and investigating. Yeah. OK, great. Well, I just want everyone to go to Cashel.com. Make sure you're signed up there and uh, and get his books. Untenable is Untenable. still doing great. And yeah. it's an important book and getting more important, I think, as we go forward to really understand the truth about because they, they just keep pushing it in the wrong direction. And, and you really clarify a lot of issues that have been have been used. Yeah, as it keeps surfacing. In fact, we just uh, on the positive side, we we pushed into the black. So I'm in the royalty stage now, you know. Okay. Oh, uh, at the first part, you're just trying to make up your advance, you know. And then, yeah, now yeah, we're sure. in the stage. Excellent. Excellent. So check that out. And thank you so much. And, and don't forget, everyone, uh, please support independent um, journalists, especially because we don't know what's going to happen with censorship. But I have a feeling we are in for a wild ride in that realm. So make sure you're uh, 
you've subscribed to everyone's newsletters out there and you're keeping an eye on the best journalists uh, that are not in the mainstream because that's where they'll get your news like Jack Cashel. Thank you so much, sir. I'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for having me, Mel. Always a pleasure. Hi, guys. You know, for months and months, me and Mike Al have been talking about the water supply. What is in there? There are pharmaceuticals in the water supply. There are all these chemicals, lots of pollution. We've had all these natural disasters that leave our water not nearly as clean and certainly not as God intended. We know how important water is for our health. So we have been on a mission to try to find the best alternative to the water that is out there, including bottled water, which of course, we did a whole show on everything that's in bottled water, which is almost as shocking as what's in our natural water now. So we found the best partner we could in healthy hydrogen. Uh, this is a portable bottle that I use all the time, but also there are many options over there. You can get a house, a full house system. You can get a tabletop system. You can get uh, for your shower, for your office and business. They have so many great options. If you go to themelkshow.com, we have partnered with them. So it's on our partners page, Healthy Hydrogen. I am telling you right now, the difference in this water and what it will do to your health in general is incredible. Uh, if you have inflammation, your immune system has problems, anything that you are thinking you don't know the solution for, this could be the game changer. We've been looking for the missing piece and I believe the missing piece is the water. We are so excited. They have so much science backing all of their products. They have been tested by all different groups out there that do this for a living and look at water really in depth. We have the hydrogen aspect, which is truly fascinating. Nothing is more important than water. We all know that. So make sure you're putting the best water in your body. And I assure you, this is a true, true game changer that you will see right away and will improve your health and your family's health going forward. Go check out the Mel K Show Partners page, Healthy Hydrogen, and get your health back from the inside out, starting with God's great water. We will see you soon. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of the show. The narrative is falling apart, but as it does, there's so much of this fraudulent disinformation, misinformation, censorship coming from the globalists. And what we need to do is be focused on the facts, cut through everything, be discerning, and get it first and foremost out there to everyone. It is important that you know what is going on. Censorship is getting nuts. You guys know it. There's accounts all over the place that are fake, that are not me. I know you guys send me emails and I really appreciate it. And you report it and it's on Telegram and Instagram and Twitter and they're not me. So I'm super excited to announce We The People with Mel K. Be the first to join. It's a VIP community, just you and me behind a paywall, no trolls, no nothing. We get to know each other. I will give you the facts first. I break a lot of stories a long time before other people. We can talk about past, present, future, history, what we're doing now, solutions for going forward, what 2024 is gonna look like. I'm gonna do breaking news, do a lot of deep dives. I'm gonna bring that information to you guys first in a live Q&A every week. So please click the link below and join me over there. We are going to create a community, a community that is censorship proof, it's cancel proof, it's truth, it's transparency, it's on the road to God, country, justice, everything that we want in one place. This is the most incredible, amazing time to be alive. As hard as it seems and as difficult as the battle has been for you guys and definitely for me, all I know is that we all are part of the solution. We are all involved and invested and you guys have the passion that I have. So let's join together on live Q and A's once a week with me, Mel Kay, we, the people of the United States, taking back this nation. This is so exciting, guys. I've been dying to do this, and we finally got the technology right. So please join me. Click the link below. Can't wait to get started.